Welcome to the School of Humanity podcast. You are made in the image and likeness of God. Not only does God long for you, but you are like Him. What does this mean for you? How does it affect your view of God? How does it affect your view of yourself? How does that affect everything? This This is is the School School of Humanity. Humanity. Hello and welcome to the School of Humanity. This is episode 52. We're still here. Jason and Rachel Bullman. That's right. Thank you. Um, School of Humanity (laughs) podcast. I just said that. Coming to you live. (laughs) You're totally fired. Uh, So we know that this is going to be coming to you for Ash Wednesday. And we really wanted to do something special for you as you prepare for Lent. This past weekend, I was at a parish speaking to a group of moms. Shout out to the St. Anne's Moms at Annunciation. And we were talking about Lent. And I said, you know, have any of you prepared for Lent? And I thought to myself, please say no, please say no, please say no, because I haven't prepared for Lent. Uh, I've had like very fleeting thoughts of like, you should prepare for Lent. And then, yeah. So this is the... Yeah, I mean, you have to take time to actually prepare to prepare. Right. I don't know if that was you agreeing with me or scolding me. (laughs) No. I don't know either. I'm just deciding which way to go with it. (laughs) Super rude. So have you prepared for Lent already? Uh, No. No. I mean, I... I mean, I know we're going to tackle a book. That's right. Yeah, tonight we, when we were getting together our books for the podcast, we were talking about the fact that every every uh, Lent we're going to take turns reading these two particular books that we're going to talk about. And so tonight's podcast, or today, when are you listening to this? Wherever you are now, in your now, this podcast is about our top five books that we think would be great accompaniment for you during Lent in addition to whatever else you're doing this Lent, whatever you're taking on, whatever you're giving up. So we have five books. It's probably going to be like eight books, but five books that that we really enjoy. But we also have three books that we both have um, kind of dabbled in and either not read or, you know, only read a little bit and then keep going back. But I think most of the time I have my hands in like six, seven books. What about you, love? Yeah, same. And when you just said, yeah, our top five, I'm kind of like, well, you didn't tell me it was like the top five. (laughs) I mean, you said, let's pick a few books. I mean, that's (laughs) totally different. Um, Top five books of all time. Does that change the podcast? Do we need to stop and come back? (laughs) I haven't read my top five books of all time. Right, that's right. Well, I mean, top five books of your minuscule life. The Bible. Right, (laughs) People automatically turn it off if they don't hear us say that. Or the Catechism of the Catholic Church. I told you guys that Catholics aren't Christians. <laughs> I don't even read the Bible. Stop. Um, <laughs> so we'll start with something easy. Yeah. Right? Okay. There is a book. It's called Benedictus. And we will actually put the titles and the authors of all of these in the show notes. Um, if you're looking at us on iTunes or where we put our description, we'll put the list of the names of these books and the author. So this first one is Benedictus. It is from Ignatius Press. And it's I think it's a joint effort between Ignatius Press and Magnificat. But the Benedictus is Daily Reflections from Pope Benedict XVI. It is. It was gifted to us by my spiritual director, Father Blake. For my birthday. Oh. <laughs> 
I'm pretty sure that was given to me. I'm like, no. Was it for your birthday? It was totally for my birthday. Unbelievable. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. For being born. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, every single day, the reflection in that book is. Unbelievable. It's just so good. I mean. So good. It, and, and try to put it someplace that's accessible. Because um, we put it by the toilet. So I mean, <laughs> I didn't know you were going to go there, but. One of yeah. our friends actually went into our bathroom and uh, came out and said, is this why your kids are like this? Like, is this why your kids like theology philosophy? Is this why you guys are like this? Is because you read this every day? <laughs> yes. I mean, yes. pretty much. <laughs> um, so, so even for today, um, it's very short, literally probably like 100, 200 words. Yeah. It's not a lot. And it per actually... Day. Per day. Yeah, per day. And so it actually gives the actual work that it came from as well in the back of the book. And so if you read something that really moves you, which is literally like every day, you can then either get the work or get the copy that, of the talk or the book or the That's homily That's that true. he had done before. And I have actually used that a lot, giving talks and things like that. Right. Because there'll be something in here that's tremendous. That's a very good point. Even if you're kind of new to the intellectual life, yeah. this book would be really, really good to kind of get your feet wet. Yep, totally. Or your brain wet. Is that a thing? Is that not how I should say that? No. should say feet. That's totally okay. different. That's a medical condition. <laughs> it's called hydrocephalus. It's just, that's oh a bad thing. <laughs> okay, so don't get your brain wet. <laughs> You're fired right now. All right, what's yours? No, but, but there's also beautiful art. There is beautiful artwork throughout. And it does um, also tell you like where the artwork came from. Yeah. So. And these things are they're just so applicable to uh, your life, you know. And they answer some pretty big. They're like so straightforward and concise. <laughs> right. There's so much packed into each one little thing that you're just like, and they're sometimes laid out. They're things that you like know, but like you didn't realize that you know, and you're like, oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Thank you. This is why you were Pope and yeah. why you're Pope Emeritus. Like I knew that, but like now I know that. Right, right. For today, the the title is Faith and Our Goal. And so just to give you a little excerpt from it, the first sentence says, The Christian faith is not a pastime, and the church is not one club among others of a similar or even of a different sort. Rather, faith responds to the primordial question of man regarding his origin and goal. And so basically just saying that like, you know, it's not like just faith is not just something that you do. It's not something that's just like among the many, many things that people are involved in, the many, many things that people are thinking of, but that faith answers the first question that you have, yeah. which is, who am I and where am I going? Yeah. So what is my origin? What is my goal? And he uses that to go into the reason why faith is understanding and that for us, we have to have the understanding to get into rational discussion and get into rational talk. That was a big thing that I actually had mentioned last week in my talk was that we we have to be able to prime our intellect, you know, to, to be able to prick this wellspring of our intellect if we never have before. And then he ends it just by saying that theology is, is a specifically Christian phenomenon which follows from the structure of this faith. Right. Which then means that it's necessary. Like knowledge of theology, knowledge of philosophy as well, I would say, is necessary for, for rational discussion of your faith. Absolutely. So, so the, a couple other things there. One is 
obviously, especially during Lent, you're trying to dive deeper. You're trying to grow closer to the Lord. So, so the whole goal of reading these things is to promote prayer, really. And prayer right. primarily is you want to engage your will, so, right? You know, your intellect, but also your will, because heaven looks like a everlasting act of love, right? Right. So you're entering into that. So you're practicing maybe this uh, act of the will, this love of God that uh, you may not do so often, unfortunately, in this world. And so these short, little, concise, um, intellectual stimuli um, can... Which doesn't mean that it has to be like a super deep book. No. It doesn't have to be... You don't have to be reading the Summa. Right. You could sit down and just read these very short reflections from the Benedictus or read something that, you know, speaks to your heart and especially your Christian heart, but that helps to keep your intellect sharpened, which then sharpens your will and also sharpens your emotion. Exactly. What is your suggestion there, sir? So number one, in no particular order was the Benedictus. What's yours? Right. So the first one that I had here is is a uh, is a very is a tough read. Um, it's a challenging read. <laughs> it's really called, building this up. It's called the Summa Theologica. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Might as well be. Um, we read that last lunch. Just kidding. Yeah. No, so this kidding. is a challenging one. This is for maybe um, the person who is looking for something that's intellectually challenging. And it's called Mysterium Pascale. It's by Hans Urs von Balthasar. He sounds German. Indeed. <laughs> so he actually is not a theologian um, by, uh, as far as education-wise. He did not get a degree in theology or philosophy. He got a degree in Adrian von Speyer. That's Sorry. true. That's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, he had a friend who was a mystic, Adrian von Speyer, who inspired him. There's a well, pun there. Yeah. <laughs> um, in a lot of his uh, writings, of course, and he, he admits that um, it's a beautiful thing. They had a, a beautiful friendship. He's an incredible intellect, and he always approaches theology and, uh, from the perspective of beauty and aesthetics. Right. And thus, he was taken aback, especially at the prompting of um, the mystical experiences of Von Speyer, uh, regarding the um, Paschal mystery, Paschal mystery, which yeah. is what Mysterium Pascale means. In case you know, I wouldn't have known that had <laughs> someone not told me that. <laughs> True, <laughs> rude. So, <laughs> jeez, guys, this is what I deal with on awesome. a day to day basis. <laughs> that was awesome. so. so, so anyway, obviously, a big part of our faith is the fact that. Um, the passion and the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, that's the the focal point of his life, his ministry. And yet, you know, how often do you sit and meditate on the fact that God died? Right. You know, um, you know how how do you process that? How is that? What does that look like? Um, what does it mean for the human heart? Yeah, all these things, uh, and particularly the the one the day of the of Holy Week, Holy Saturday. Yeah. That we always skip over, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that happens that day is the blessing of the basket, like the basket of food that people are supposed to bring to the parish. Um, 
that's really the only thing that happens that day. It's the world is pretty much on pause uh, after the Good Friday liturgies and then until the vigil mass on Saturday evening. So you really don't even think about that. But um, Mysterium Pascale really goes really in depth on that. I am sure that when Mel Gibson is preparing for this uh, sequel to The Passion of Christ, that he had to have thought about some Mysterium Pascale. So, because it's one of the only works that goes into any thought at all on Holy Saturday. It is. I mean, it's sort of seen as the premier, I think, book um, concerning the matter. So, like, the chapter, the first one is, the first chapter is on the Incarnation and Passion. The second is the death of God as wellspring of salvation. Uh, The third is going to the cross, Good Friday. Chapter four is going to the dead, Holy Saturday. And chapter five is going to the Father, Easter. So it's kind of one of those, but it's, you know, it's about 200 and almost 300 pages. So it's not something you want to start and try to conquer in three days unless you're really (laughs) ambitious. I will start on Good Friday, Holy <laughs> Thursday. Um, the other thing, too, it, worth noting is that Holy Saturday, the second reading from the Office of Readings Ooh, on yeah. Holy Saturday is my favorite yeah, reading yeah, yeah. of the year. So I seriously look forward to that reading all the time. Um, yeah. So if you don't pray the Liturgy of the Hours... And if you do, you know, pay special attention to that. That is my favorite. You could Google that, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so, book number three, because we have, you know, 30 minutes. We right. have to get through five books, at least. Uh, so, book number three is, for me, would be Searching for and Maintaining Peace by Father Jacques Philippe. And basically anything by Father Jacques Philippe is pretty solid. But that was the first book that we yeah. picked up from him. Father Jacques has a community it's a lake community isn't it it is i mean they have consecrated people uh, and then they have lay members as well right am i wrong yeah some that are live on their grounds um, right in where was it colorado yes Um, well it says uh jacques philippe is a member of the community of the beatitudes Beatitudes, founded in france in 1973 ordained in 1985 and a preacher of retreats in france and abroad um so he's written a lot of books but he is amazing. I don't even know why we picked up that first book, but we did. And it's pretty life-changing. Like literally, if you go and find it, it's a little pink book. It's very small. It would be the perfect spiritual walk for you during Lent. It's a treatise. They're super, it's super cheap. It's like seven, seven to eleven dollars, something like that on Amazon. And our other little side note story, if you get this, I promise that it'll be very difficult to not highlight the entire book. Yep. So good. And definitely one of those things, too, where it's like little nuggets and you're like, oh, duh, like I know that. But to read it is yeah. so, it's so much more incarnating to see it in word. There was a lot that just happened just then in that there sentence. Was, that, that was, was well really done. good. It, really, really funny thing was that Gemma was probably, what, six, seven months old, maybe. And I was on the computer and a banner popped up on whatever side I was on. And it was like, Father Jacques Philippe will be in such and such Georgia. I wish I could remember where that was. And I called Jason at work and I was like, hey, he's going to be, Father Jacques Philippe is going to be doing a one-day retreat tomorrow in Georgia. We should go. So we called our very good friends. Thank you, Natalie and Joe. And they took our boys and we took Gemma and we drove that night all the way to Georgia, <laughs> like North Georgia, and um, spent the day with Father Jacques Philippe. And it was fantastic. But if you're looking for a really good 
amazing, kind of light, but beautiful. A book that I could not put down, Searching for and Maintaining Peace by Father Jacques Philippe. So number four on our list would be The Noonday Devil, Assedia, The Unnamed Evil of Our Times by Jean-Charles Nault, um, N-A-U-L-T. And we have actually talked about this. We talked about this in the KonMari Method and Your Soul two-part podcast that we did. I talked about it a little bit when um, I wrote the article for the for Word on Fire about the KonMari Method. But this book... It's a bombshell. Bombshell. Yeah. And it's actually not that difficult to read. No. Um, the most difficult part probably is in the beginning when he's like introducing like Evagrius and some of the church father's thoughts on it. But right. even that is not that difficult. Right. It's a very, very good book. There's not a whole lot you can say about it other than everyone needs to read it. Yeah, I mean, for example, one of our friends um, who is not has not is not well read in terms of theology. You right. Know, he's kind of like we're talking about Gabriel Arson. I'm just kidding. Beginning his <laughs> uh, walk in faith, and uh, he was coming to um, our ministry at the house, and it just so happened that we started going through this book, and for him. I mean, he tells me now, like, it was life-changing, you know. Um, as you read it, you'll recognize in yourself how you struggle with this. Um, with Assedia. Yeah, and how you see it in other people. Your eyes will be opened uh, quite quite a bit uh, after reading it. Um, and Ugh, So much to say. You know, in terms of, you know, your daily struggles with, even if you are actively seeking holiness, uh, especially if you are, I would say, um, you pray every day and you're trying to do the right things. You'll you'll notice like when you are really starting to struggle with ascetia, right? And uh, but it's great because once you can call it out, then um, you can get past it. And I guess one little nugget is the church, the uh, Desert Fathers would made the claim basically that because ascetia affects all three faculties of of your um, being, in other words, your mind, your body, and your soul, when you overcome this, quote, demon, it is a big step in the spiritual life. Right. Um, there's a lot of freedom that ensues afterwards. We still have not accomplished that. Right. <laughs> so. But it's it's a goal, and it's, and it's not impossible. Right. We always have to have that hope. hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Okay, so book one. number five would be The Discernment of Spirits, An Ignatian Guide for Everyday Living by Father Timothy Gallagher. We actually did a series on this book. I can't even remember how long it was because it was a pretty long series. I think it was um, pretty long, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty long. But it's phenomenal. It's a little purple book. And he walks through the fourteen, the first 14 rules of uh, the Rules of Discernment from St. Ignatius of Loyola. It's a very good book. He opens up with talking about who St. Ignatius of Loyola was and where the Rules of Discernment came about and then gives you a very great kind of, I think, layperson perspective on the Discernment of Spirits. It's the first 14 rules because there's more than that. How many are there in all? I, I am not sure. A lot. Um, and they're definitely written in kind of like a medieval language, but he introduces them very well, walks through them. And I think this book is is a life-changing book, especially, I mean, I think it's life-changing for anybody, but even for us as a married couple, it was, it was very helpful to be able to both read this book and to talk about it together and then implement the things that we've read here 
not just in our spiritual lives, but in our life together, you know, to be able to look at one another and be able to identify not only for ourselves, but for the other person when they're in moments of desolation or consolation. Absolutely. Yeah, I was actually watching uh, one of the shows that I like to watch, The Resident, and one of the guys had gotten into this, he had gotten into a, he had a heart transplant, things relapsed, he was getting ready to go to rehab, but he was in a good relationship with this girl, he felt helpless, he ends up telling her, like, this is your out, like, you could not, you don't have to see me, like, you didn't sign up for this, it's a difficult thing, and she's like, listen, you're gonna go to rehab, and when you get back, you, we can talk about it then, but we're not gonna make any decisions until that's over with, and I was just like, rule number five, <laughs> um, and that is rule number five, is that when you're in the middle of desolation, do nothing. Make no decisions. Don't change What's anything. What's beautiful about that story is that, you know, obviously the rules sort of incarnated in you so that you were able to recognize it. Right. But that took you reflecting on the right. rule and, and seeing where you've maybe made that mistake in your life. I don't do that. And done that before. Uh, or have had the temptation to do so. Yeah, maybe There's one disclaimer <laughs> that comes kidding. to mind immediately about this book. In uh, you know our postmodern society, especially in America, we see something like, ooh, here's rules to the spiritual life. Like, if I just memorize these rules, then I can manipulate reality and I'll become a saint. <laughs> but, I mean, honestly... <laughs> wait, wait, you can't, right? No, no, no okay. you can't do that. It was not meant to be uh read in in uh in such a mechanical right understanding very of utilitarian it. Way. right exactly so this is not your way of manipulating the spiritual life these are things that are to be first and foremost kind of received and prayed with individually how they apply to you in your particular circumstances that was very it, well said, my love. Thank you. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I just, I'm speaking for myself. I mean, that that sort of like mindset, I think, lives in a lot of people of right. like, like, okay, I really want to grow my spiritual life. Here's a book that, I mean, Says dang, grow man, it has numbers. Life. I mean, right. like rule number one, this right. is what you do. I mean, this is perfect. If I just, if I got this down, then I'm a, I'll be a spiritual master and what you people get quickly discouraged when they're like, oh my God, okay, so what was number one again? What was number two? Right. And like, oh my God, I can't just memorize these and then like learn them and like now I got it. This is something like I have to practice. So, you know, the way you approach it should be number one, it, you have to view reality as something that is given to you and not something that you manipulate to your own uh, liking. And number two, Sit with each of these rules. Forget the number. Forget forget the fact that it's a, a rule. It's it's just a truth, you know. And pray with it. You know, when has this happened to me? How do I normally react in these situations? When does this happen often? For example, like you just said, you know, you never make a, a decision when you're in a state of desolation, when you're feeling down. You know, when God feels distant, you don't then make a change in your in in your resolutions you had made before about praying or about whatever right. you don't make any rash decisions um during those times when do those times come up in your life and sit there and pray with that uh, and it may be that you only go through one rule like in a month you know right. you just have to keep coming back to it and then once you feel like you spontaneously know that rule then you can you know kind of move on into the next one 
Does that feel, does that sound like good advice? Yes, that yeah. sounds like great advice. So we only have a couple of minutes left, but I wanted to throw something out here. And that is a new and beautiful thing for our podcast is to end it with um, where we saw goodness, beauty, or truth that day or around in our lives right now. Like what is on our heart that has brought us into what is truth, goodness, and beauty. And I think for me, for today, it is that um, we went to a wedding last night and we've been to a few weddings during this beautiful wedding season. And we took our four kids. And so the difference with between this one and the last two that we've gone is that a lot of the young adults have been at most of the weddings. So the kids just naturally gravitate to them and we don't even really see them unless they have to go to the bathroom or they need something from mommy or daddy. But last night it was kind of a different experience because a lot of our young adults weren't at the wedding. So, but our kids, I mean, there was this one particular time when there were some other young adults that we just met, thank God. And they, the kids are like wrestling with them on the dance floor and they were basically adopted into this whole new community of young adults, which was really beautiful. And to know that our kids really, number one, just being a family that lives our faith, but to also just have our kids be open to people kind of, I think, evangelizes in a way that I don't think we realize. So I think that's where I've seen truth, goodness, and beauty recently. Well but, done. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I was actually talking to um, Father um, Philip last night at that the reception, and um, we were just talking about young adult ministry and and what we were up to, and and I told him that I feel like that's been our like most profound asset was just being a a Catholic family that right. loves each other, that loves that has Christ at the center, that loves the Eucharist, that's living out their faith and and views their vocations in the right perspective right uh that alone speaks volumes i mean you, you barely have to say anything it's just the witness of right <laughs> you know being a young couple that has four kids and doesn't hate life and, you know yeah, and still loves I mean, each other yeah, and very much loves our like, children wow what is that right like you know so, it's amazing yeah so we um but yeah it would be nice to end end our podcasts with that from now on. Sorry, I didn't warn my husband, which is basically his life. I don't really warn him a lot. So, right, love? I'm I'm just here. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm totally glad you're here. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope that you will continue to listen and tell your friends about it. Review this on iTunes or Google Play, wherever you're listening to this, and know that we're praying for you. Please pray for us. Amen. God bless. <laughs>